Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Welcome. So glad you guys are here. My name is Chris. I am the college pastor here at Brazos Fellowship. Pastor Will is going to be back next Sunday, and he'll be continuing the series we have been in, Think Like Jesus. I don't know if you've caught the first few weeks, but it has been so good and very convicting. So please make plans to be back next Sunday to see that. Pastor Will's going to be back. It's going to be great. Now, Earlier this year, I had a college student come up and tell me that one of her goals before she graduated was she wanted to run a half marathon. And she then proceeded to ask me if I wanted to join her and a few other students in running this half marathon. Now, here's the deal. I have not collectively run 13.1 miles in the last five years combined, okay? But my mama didn't raise no weenie, and so of course I said yes. Yeah, let's do it, right? No sooner had those words come out of my mouth than it dawned on me. She was graduating this semester in May, and she was asking me in January. And so, man, okay, we got to do this thing. It's getting real, real fast. Now, there are a lot of words that people would use to describe me. Words like tall, I'm six foot two, handsome, humble, right? (laughs) Clearly, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But no one would ever be like, hey, that's Chris, the runner, right? Like, that is not a word that people use to describe me. Uh, But I already told you, my mama didn't raise no weenie, and I have proof, okay? Check out this picture. We did it. We finished the half marathon. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of that. I got the medal, right? I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I got it. And uh, I didn't die, which was the ultimate goal. We finished. But, But here's the deal. We didn't just, like, show up on race day and just decide to go run this half marathon. Like, we had to put in some kind of training. We had to do some kind of preparation to get ready for this moment. And so early on in the process, I would just go to the gym, just trying to log some miles, right? Because like I said, I'm not a runner. I remember one specific day, I'm at the gym, I'm on the treadmill. I remember Aggie basketball is on the screen in front of me and the game is going well. So I'm like in the zone, I'm excited, right? And then I noticed that my phone vibrated. I got a text from my wife and so I pick up my phone and I'm walking on the treadmill. This is me walking on the treadmill, right? And I text my wife back. Now I wasn't running, okay, this was early on in the process. I text my wife back, I set my phone down, paying attention to the game and man, I noticed that what was a walk was kind of turning into a jog. And I don't know if I was just excited because of the basketball game, but I'm moving faster and a few seconds go by and I'm like, this is not a jog anymore. We're quickly heading towards a full out sprint. But here was the problem. I had not told the treadmill to speed up. And so I do one of those things, you know, where you grab the sides of the treadmill and you like jump off and the the tread is still going really, really fast. And I'm standing there looking down at this machine, trying to figure out what has possessed this thing to want to take my life in this moment, in this gym in front of all these people. And it was in that moment that I noticed I had set my phone down on the speed adjustment button. (laughs) Oops. Yeah, uh, I wasn't, y'all are laughing now. It was not a laughing matter. I was not laughing in the moment. But here's, here's what I've realized as I've looked back on that moment and thought about that moment in the gym. I do this in my own life all the time, right? Little by little, things just kind of speed up. 
It's almost unrecognizable at first, but I just keep adding more things to my agenda and to my plate and just keep going little by little, a little bit more here, a little bit more there. We take on a side hustle because we need to cover the school loans or the extra car payment. We meet a girl who becomes our wife and next comes a kid and that kid needs diapers. And then a second kid, which means more diapers. And then there's preschool and dance and soccer and little league and like all this other stuff. And then braces and more debt. And man, things are happening so fast. Things are getting added to our plate and we're saying yes to things we never thought we would say yes to. And, and we have this moment where we grab the treadmill of life and we're like trying to decide, do I just hang on? Do I keep running? Do I jump off? Like, how did I get here? The reality is that it's not just about being rushed because there can be things happening all around us and yet we still have these moments when we look in the mirror and we feel like something is, is missing, Right? because we don't have time for what we want to do. We don't have time for what we love. And even worse, we don't have time for the people that we love because so much is happening so fast around us. Now, this is a really convicting message, and I'm just going to be honest with you from the jump. Like, Pastor Sean and I were talking backstage before the first service about how I'm not, I'm not sure I should be the guy up here talking about this, because I, I struggle with this in my own life. But as I was praying about this morning and what to talk about, I felt conviction like, hey, you need to share where you are. And so that's what this message is, is sharing where I am, what I'm dealing with. Because if you have spent any time around me at all, you know I despise slow. I just don't like slow things. I don't like slow movies. I don't like talking slow, which should be obvious by now. Like, I don't like small talk. Like, I just don't like slow. Vacations on the beach sound like torture. Why would I go and stick my toes in the sand when I can be doing something, going somewhere, making progress? Like, I, I actually feel like this. I just despise slow, and I get it. We all have places to be, jobs to do things to accomplish, bills to pay, kids to raise, kitchens to clean, clothes to buy, laundry to wash, more laundry to wash, right? There's so much to do. But if we're not careful, this pace of life will quickly catch up with us. And we're looking around and we're like, man, I don't know how I got here and I don't know how to get away from where I am. Things are moving so fast. And in these moments that even though everything is happening around us, we feel like, man, I just don't, I don't have time for the things that matter. We start sacrificing time to sit down at a meal with our family. We don't have time to go grab coffee with a friend and have a deep, meaningful conversation. We struggle to enjoy creating time for intimacy with our spouse much less talking about intimacy with Jesus. Like, we just don't have time. And so, if you will, indulge me for a few minutes in my own personal conviction. This morning, I want to talk about Jesus. You thought I was going to say time. No, I want to talk about Jesus. And you're like, Chris, we're at church. Of course, we're talking about Jesus. But, but here's the deal. Jesus, fully God, fully man, came and lived first century earth, and he lived a life that set an example for you and I of what our pace of life should look like. He lived a life that set an example for you and I of what it looks like 
to have rhythm, what it looks like to have a healthy relationship with the people around him and the things on his plate. You, you may not know this. Maybe you do. Jesus lived 33 years, right? And all of the stories that we have recorded, the majority of the stories we have recorded about Jesus are really focusing on the last three years of his life. That's what we would call his public ministry. In that three years, Jesus embraced God's mission for him and for the world. He recruited 12 guys to join his team. He empowered and equipped those 12 guys to go out and accomplish this mission that God had called them to. He taught them what it looked like to live a holy life. He preached to the masses on numerous occasions. He performed all kinds of miracles, healing people, raising people from the dead, walking on water. And if that wasn't enough, in that same three years, Jesus also fulfilled 351 prophecies from the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. Jesus did a lot in three years. He accomplished so much, but you know what was never mentioned, never recorded in any of these stories that we have about Jesus? He was never in a hurry. There's not one account of Jesus rushing anywhere. Jesus never ran. And so even though he was busy and he accomplished a lot, Jesus was never hurried. And so I want to look at a few stories from the life of Jesus that talk about what this pace looks like. The very first verse that we're going to look at is Mark chapter 2, verse 14, and it literally talks about the pace Jesus moved. It says, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Now, this is a moment where Jesus is moving at his normal pace, right? He's just walking along. And because of his pace of life, he sees Levi and he engages with him. He has a conversation with him and he extends this invitation. He says, Hey, Levi, come and follow me. Now, it's safe to assume Levi had some context of who Jesus was. He had probably heard stories. He had probably seen how Jesus had walked and how he engaged with other people. And so when this extension or this invitation came, hey, come follow me, Levi made a decision based on what he knew about Jesus. And he said, hey, I'm going to go and follow this guy and I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to walk at the pace that Jesus walked. And so if Jesus was never in a hurry, it's safe to assume that Levi was never in a hurry as he was following Jesus. If we follow an unrushed Jesus, then it's safe to say we should be living an unrushed life. If we follow an unrushed Jesus, if we're walking with Jesus, we should be following, we should be living an unrushed life, and yet we find ourselves on the treadmill going faster and faster and faster with more on our plate and more to do and more just swirling around us. And I constantly feel rushed and hurried and overwhelmed and anxious and stressed out because of everything I've said yes to, because of all of the responsibilities in front of me. And so this morning, I want to encourage myself and encourage you that there is a better way. The same invitation that Jesus extended to Levi is extended to you and me to come and follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus. And we begin to see what that means, what that pace of life actually looks like as we look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, 
All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I can relate with that. I feel that. And he says, what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. This is not just rest for your body on the weekend when you're resting from work. This is not just rest for your mind when you're sitting on the couch and you're like vegging out on Netflix. He says, hey, if you will come and follow me, you will find rest for your core, for your soul, your identity, who you actually are. You'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. This invitation from Jesus is not just an invitation to believe what he taught. It's not just an invitation to do more or to try harder. Pastor Will talked about it last week. It's not about behavior modification. This invitation from Jesus is to walk how Jesus walked, to walk at his pace. And he uses this metaphor, this picture of a yoke. I don't know if you know what a yoke looks like, but here's a picture. It's this thing on their shoulders, right, that links two oxen together. There's really two main uses. Now, I'm not a farmer, so I apologize if there are any farmers in the room if I mess this up. I was in the College of Agate A&M, okay? But I am not a farmer. Um, but there's two main uses for a yoke that are pretty obvious. The first one is sharing the load, right? When you put two oxen together and they're yoked together, they're pulling together. And so they're sharing the weight, the responsibility, the load. And Jesus says, hey, come and, come and yoke yourself to me. Like my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You are feeling stressed out and overwhelmed and burdened. And like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, but it was never intended to be that way. Because Jesus has invited you and I to yoke ourselves to him and that he will carry that burden and weight for us. But the second reason that a farmer would use a yoke is for pace. If there's an ox who is like going and rushing and like wearing themselves out or potentially hurting themselves because they are not keeping a proper pace, the farmer would often take that ox and they would yoke them to another ox who was steady and was strong and was secure and they would now walk at the same pace with each other. No one can rush out in front of the other. They just walk at the same pace together. And this is the invitation to you and to me that when Jesus says, hey, come follow me, his invitation extends the opportunity for us to yoke ourselves, to yoke our life to him. And that when we do that, we get to walk at the pace that Jesus walked, which then begs the question, okay, how did Jesus move? Not just walking, right? Like using his two feet to get from point A to point B, but like, how did he move? What was his rhythm? Well, we see his kind of coming out party, Jesus coming onto the scene where everybody knows who he is at his baptism. There's this moment where this guy named John the baptizer is down at the Jordan River and people are coming down and John is preaching and proclaiming Christ, right? People are, are giving their life to God and he is baptizing them. And we see this moment where Jesus actually goes down to the Jordan River to meet John the baptizer and to get baptized himself. And we pick it up in Mark chapter one, verse 10. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. I gotta be honest. If this happened to me 
I'm standing here in front of you, and the roof opens up, and a ho- the Holy Spirit descends into the room like a dove, and you all hear an audible voice, and it's not for me. You hear an audible voice, and it says, this is Chris, and I am pleased with him. M- after I pass out, my next reaction is like, uh, I'm going to take advantage of this moment, right? I'm going to stick around, take pictures with whoever wants to, sign autographs. I'm probably... KBTX is probably going to be out in the parking lot. They're going to want to talk to me. Like book deal, national tour, all the interviews, right? Like strike while the iron is hot. All of you were witness to what just happened, right? Heavens opened up and said, hey, yo, pay attention to this guy. So it makes sense that Jesus would want to capitalize on the momentum. Everybody's going to be talking about him. And of course, he wants to get out in front of it and and run at the pace that everyone else is running. The very next verse, this is verses 10 and 11. Check out verse 12. The very next verse says, the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. When you and I would have sped up as quickly as we could to maximize the opportunity to take advantage of whatever was put in front of us, whether that is something at work or something with school, something with our family, an achievement, an accomplishment. People are paying attention to us. It's drawing attention. We need to move as quick as we can before the opportunity passes us by. You and I would have sped up, and Jesus is compelled by the Holy Spirit to go in the exact opposite direction. He goes into the wilderness by himself to get away to prepare for what comes next. And he spends 40 days in the wilderness working on himself, getting ready for what comes next. And so after this season in the wilderness of Jesus getting away, already setting the example for us of what pace can look like, he does come out of the wilderness. People are excited to be around him. The crowds are gathering. He's performing miracles. Everywhere he goes, people are talking about this guy named Jesus. And so we're going to pick it back up a few chapters later in Mark chapter 5. Now Jesus is getting on a boat, and it says this. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And it continues, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please, come lay your hands on her and heal her so that she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. And so we have Jesus and Jairus and the crowd and they are moving. Jesus now has a mission. Now, we already have talked about Jesus is never in a hurry, but he's going somewhere. He is headed to Jairus's house. <coughs> Excuse me. Headed to Jairus's house to heal his little daughter because she is going to die. And as they're moving with the crowd around him, they are headed to Jairus's house, and there's a woman in the crowd. And this woman has been sick for 12 years. And she's heard of Jesus. She has seen Jesus perform all of these miracles. And so she doesn't try to get Jesus' attention. She's not trying to stop him. She's not trying to mess with the moment. But she works her way through the crowd as they're moving to Jairus' house. And she reaches out and she grabs a hold of his robe. And it says that instantly in that moment, power went through Jesus and healed this woman. And I'm like, man, awesome. That is incredible that that just happened. Mission accomplished. This woman got what she came for. 
keep moving to Jairus' house, right? Because this little girl is still sick. But that's not how Jesus responds. Let's jump down to verse 30. It says this, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, and so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? This is an interruption that happens in this moment. And Jesus doesn't get flustered. He doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't try to quickly move on. Even though there's something in front of him that is really, really important, Jesus has compassion on this woman. And he turns around because he's never hurried and he engages with this woman. And the next few verses record this conversation that happens between Jesus and this woman, this moment of pause in Jesus' life with this woman. And then we jump down to verse 35, and it says that while he was still speaking to her, so some time has gone on, while he's still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Because of Jesus' unhurried willingness to stop, to engage with this woman, a girl dies. Did you see that? Jesus pauses He's engaging, he's moved with compassion, he's having a conversation with this woman, and the byproduct of that decision is that a girl dies. But Jesus' response is, hey, don't be afraid, just have faith. Why do we struggle to stop and slow down? Because we feel like the weight of the world is on our shoulders. We feel like the, the decisions we make have implications that there are things that are gonna fall apart if we don't fulfill our responsibilities. Like, if I don't keep moving, I have to provide for my family, I have to put a roof over their head, food on the table, clothes on their back, like, I need to keep moving at the pace I'm moving because there's so much responsibility, it all depends on me. But here's the reality, and I'm speaking to myself. We have time for what we choose to have time for. It's just a fact. We have time for what we choose to have time for. Like maybe your choice, and you may feel like you don't have the choice, but maybe your choice is that you're picking up an extra shift at work, or your choice is that you're hanging out with your friends on the weekend, or your choice is how you spend your free time. Even if it's not much, you still have a choice on how you spend your time, but we convince ourselves, man, I, I wish there was more time or my situation is different than everyone else. But here's the reality. Every person that has ever lived has had 1,440 minutes in the day. You have 1,440 minutes. I have 1,440 minutes. Jesus had 1,440 minutes. 1440, everybody gets the same 1440. The answer is not more time. It's what we do with our time. There's this quote by Pastor Craig Rochelle. He says, the solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters most because we end up spending our time on a lot of things that just don't matter. Now, I, I want to illustrate this point, and I want to I just give a disclaimer that I'm going to use two illustrations that are everyone in here is going to agree, like, okay, yeah, at the end of the day, we know that that's a waste of time. It may feel convicting for some, but we all know that they're a waste of time to some extent, but you could fill in the blank with a lot of other things. 
Okay, but the first one is social media. How many of you have a social media account in some capacity? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yeah, YouTube, Instagram, I already said Instagram, Snapchat, I see you Snapchatters out there, TikTokers, yeah. Um, okay, most of us in the room have some kind of social media account. Statistically, the average person spends 706 hours a year on social media. Some of you are like, no way, I don't spend that much time. Some of you are like, Psh. we had a bunch of college students in the first service, they're like, only 706 hours, come on. Like, what are y'all doing with your life, right? Uh, the average person, to put this into perspective, the workday is eight hours a day, right? Just the standard workday is eight hours a day. 706 hours is four and a half months of working hours. That's how much time the average person spends on social media. Now we're gonna get really personal for a second. Television. Now, I get it, some people are like, no, I need to watch that show or I need to follow my favorite team. Hey, you wanna know what's gonna be on when I get home? Aggie baseball, they're playing in the SEC championship, right? We have to follow our favorite team. We, we get excited, we get amped up, that's fine. Gotta binge watch our favorite series on Netflix, keep up with the latest documentary, spend all this time on YouTube. You know how much time the average person spends with a TV on in their house? 2,737 hours a year. That's a lot. Sometimes it's just noise in the background, whatever, but we have time for what we choose to have time for. I'm just illustrating a point. And for you, it might be work. You choose to have the job that you have. You choose to pick up the extra shifts. You, for me, sometimes work is an escape, right? I'm like, ah, I really need to stay late. I need to accomplish this thing because I don't wanna deal with whatever else that I'm stressed out about. So we use it as an escape. We choose to spend our time the way that we do. For you, it might be going out. I mean, you can fill in the blank with a lot of different things, but we have time for what we choose to have time for. And so the question then is, what do we do? Now, this is when I'm supposed to stand up here and give you like three steps for a healthy rhythm, right? But I already shared with you, like, I'm walking through this, and this is something that's super personal and convicting for me. And like, I, I don't know the perfect answer. There's not three things. If you do A, B, C, then all of a sudden you're gonna live an unhurried life. But here is what I know. I had a conversation with Pastor Sean a few months ago, and he was challenging me in my own life in this area. And he said, Chris, it, it's like the check engine light on the dashboard of your life is burned out. And so for you sitting in the car, you don't realize that anything's wrong because you don't see the warning signs. But as you drive past everyone else, they can hear the engine making some noises it's not supposed to make. I have a high pain tolerance. And so I just keep going. I put my head down. I just keep going. I ignore what warning signs are there until something breaks. And here's what I know. If we are not careful, if we keep up our pace of life, something is going to break. And so what do we do? Well, as I have realized, I have an addiction to busyness, an addiction to my pace of life. I have had to ask this question. If I'm supposed to walk like Jesus walked, then who was Jesus? What was it about him that compelled him or allowed him to have the pace that he had? And, and really it boils down to this. As simple as it sounds, Jesus equals love. 
Everything about who he was was about love. He was moved with compassion. He saw people with love. He, he responded out of love for the Father. And we know that this is at the core. We know that this is the most important thing because Jesus says it in Mark 12, 29. He says this. He says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Jesus says this is the most important thing. And he modeled that it was the most important thing to be loved by God, to love God, and to love God people. It is at the core of who Jesus is. But here is the rub. John Mark Comer wrote this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and in it he says this, love is incompatible with hurry. I'm always in a hurry. Jesus was never in a hurry. And so if I want to walk at the pace that Jesus walked, love needs to be the thing that marks my life. I need to see people with compassion. I need to be willing to be interrupted in moments where normally I would not. I am always in a hurry. I'm looking for the shortest line at the grocery store. I'm moving in and out of traffic, trying to make sure that I don't get caught at a red light. I'm hurrying my girls out the door in the morning to get to school when really we're leaving 20 minutes earlier than we have to, but I just don't like wasting time. Please, let's go, hurry up, come on. They're five and seven. Hurry means nothing to them, right? It means everything to me, but like love is incompatible with hurry. And so if I want to have the pace of Jesus, then I need to slow down because as love is defined for us in scripture, 1 Corinthians, it says this, the very first descriptor of love, love is patient and kind. Love takes time. Love slows down. Love doesn't mind being interrupted. Love knows when to say no. And so what does this look like? For you, it might be saying no when a new opportunity presents itself. Even if it means it's setting you up for that promotion at work, or even if it's the perfect internship, but you just know it's not what's best. Maybe for you, it it, it is about budgeting your time. Maybe you see these statistics about social media, TV, insert video games, time on your phone, lots of other things, and you're just like, man, I just, I need to budget my time better because I have time for what I choose to have time for, and I'm choosing to have time for things that don't matter. Maybe you need to cut some things out of your life. One example for me, this was a few years ago, but I enjoyed playing rec league softball, right, on Monday nights with some guys here at the church. But two things were happening. One, I kept getting hurt because I'm old, but also because I was always rushed and I wasn't giving my body time to just rest. And so I was always on the brink of breaking down. And the second thing was I was taking time away from my family that I did not have time to take away from my family to go do this thing that I thought was giving me rest. When at the end of the day, it may have been rest for my mind, but it was not rest for my soul. So what does it look like? Here is the application prayer as we close today. I mean, I want to encourage you, write this down. Like, think about this this week. What does it look like? God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love 
people deeply. I think the expression of that is going to look different for each one of us in the room, but what does it look like to slow down enough to experience Jesus fully this week and to love people deeply? Jesus took time. Love takes time. Walk with Jesus. Let's pray. God, as I stand here, exhibit A of someone who struggles with this exact thing, God, I pray that you would just help us to remember we don't have to be afraid. We can have faith. The world is not going to fall apart. If we slow down, if we take a step back, if we say no to something, God, the world will keep spinning on its axis because you are in control. And it has never been about what we do. It has always been about what you have already done for us. And if you're here this morning and you're like, Chris, I need to slow down. I have been on the treadmill. The pace has picked up beyond not only what I'm comfortable with, but what is healthy for my soul. If that's you, I just encourage you, raise your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. There are hands going up literally all over the room because we all feel this at some point in our life. God, for every hand that is raised, for every person in this room or joining us online, God, I just pray not only would we have an awareness, hopefully this morning has created more of an awareness, God, but that we will have peace and we will remember the invitation you have extended that we can yoke ourselves to you. And in the process of that, God, you will help carry the load for us and we can move at your pace. God, help us this week to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. And you can put your hands down. And if you're here this morning or you're tuning in online, and you're like, Chris, I, I hear you talk about Jesus' love, how you talk about yoking your life to Jesus, having a relationship with him, and that's, that's never something that I've done. I've never, I've never said yes to that. I've never committed to being yoked to Jesus, attached, connected to Jesus, having a relationship with him, but today I'm ready to do that because I've tried my own way and it doesn't work. And if that's you this morning, then I would ask that you would just pray this prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer, but there's something that happens in our heart when we give up control. And so this morning, pray this, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I have tried my way. And I'm ready to try yours. Jesus, will you, will you forgive me for trying to set my own pace, for trying to be the boss in my own life. And God, today, would you come in? I give you control. I choose to yoke myself to you today. I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I would love to know that. Nobody's looking around. Thank you, I see your hand right here. If you just raise your hand and say, hey, that's me this morning, I'm choosing to yoke my life to Jesus. Anybody else, I see your hand back here. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else this morning, if you're tuning in online, you can just indicate that in the chat. There are people that wanna talk with you. God, today we choose to yoke our life 
to you. Help us, oh God. Help me to walk with Jesus. It's not about doing more. It's about being loved and loving. Love takes time. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your awesome, amazing, matchless name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. And if you made a decision to yoke your life to Jesus, tell somebody. Celebrate that with somebody today. We'll see you next week continuing our series, Think Like Jesus. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.